0: What do you say? Hi, everyone, and welcome to Conversations with Bacon. It's great to have you here. Um, as usual, you can go and find the latest episodes of this podcast at jonobacon.com slash conversations. And i love to hear your feedback. Who do you want to see me talking to? Who are the most interesting people you think we should be listening for? Listening to? Uh, you can send me an email to conversations at jonobacon.com. So I'm really thrilled to bring on today Jeff Atwood. How are you doing, Jeff? Very good. Doing great. Good. Yeah, it's, it's it's been a while since we caught up so I'm, I'm really thrilled that you you have the time to come on so before I get into why I'm excited to have you on, let me give everyone a, a, a bit of the rap sheet around what you've been doing. So in 2004, you started your uh, Coding Horror programming blog, which became pretty successful. And I think a lot of people here will primarily know you from uh, Stack Overflow, which you co-founded with Joel Spolsky, um, which then led to Server Fault, which is for admin, super user for general computing questions, and a million other similar kind of communities around cooking and science and maths and all kinds of things. Um you, you left in 2012, and then I think it was a year later, you kicked off the Civilized Discourse Construction Kit, uh, which has led to the development of Discourse, which is a, uh, f- like a forum platform. And um, you founded that with Robin Ward and Sam Saffron. And that's gone on to be, I think, pretty, su- <laughs> certainly from my mind, pretty successful. So to me, you've always been somebody who really gets the challenge of how do you get lots of different people online, to collaborate together and have meaningful interactions and discussions with, with people. Um, Stack Overflow was obviously a first dip into that. And I think a lot of people saw that become really successful very quickly. But then discourse is a whole different set of challenges that relate to that. So, yeah, so thanks for coming on. Um, the, the, I guess where I'd like to start is with this experience that you've had. I know I know that you you mentioned one time that you you set out with discourse primarily because you felt like a lot of the bulletin balls were around at the time really haven't evolved since kind of the 90s what would what have been what have what has been your kind of thinking behind building these these platforms like what are the are there a set of like underlying um approaches that you've kind of settled on that kind of go
1: into how you think about designing these kinds of things uh sure so I I thought there was a lot of value there still. Like One thing that frustrated me when I came out of Stack Overflow in 2012 was that we had initially looked at forums. We thought of Stack Overflow as a forum, which it really isn't. It's Q&A, which is really its own beast. A lot of people still don't understand that distinction. I think Stack Overflow still needs to do a lot of work to sort of educate people about the difference. They come on (laughs) and think, oh, I'm going to come on here and have a discussion, but that's not really the role of Q&A. It's more like, okay, there's a question, and then everybody makes a really like serious effort to answer the question specifically, right, and stay on topic. And by topic, I mean just essentially answer the question. Answer the question, <laughs> right? Like it, it's not complicated, actually. But uh, you'd be surprised how it's. It, sometimes it can be challenging to get people to really stick to the mission of answering the question or right. answering a question. Um, but we did look at forums as uh, prior art. At the time we started that in 2008. And then when I came out in 2012, I looked at forums again thinking, oh, forums will have changed since then. And I was really <laughs> shocked that they hadn't like at all, like in four years, like essentially nothing had changed Yeah. in the forum space. And I thought that was kind of disappointing because, you know. Occasionally, startups will come to me and say, "Oh, you're Jeff Atwood. You launched Stack Overflow. You must have useful advice." Which, by the way, isn't always necessarily even true. <laughs> for the record, <laughs> uh, but hey, you know they're asking, and I would usually say to them, "Like, well, look, the people you need to be talking to are your customers and users because those are the people that are most familiar with your product. Like, I don't even know your product. I've never looked at it. I might not even be in the audience for it." Who right. even knows if I have something useful to tell you at all? But I can tell you who definitely has something useful to say to you is your users, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And you hear this from Paul Graham too. It's like you got to talk to your users. You got to talk to your customers. And I was like, that's what you guys got to be doing. You got to be uh, out there talking to your customers. And they would say, oh, that's great advice. We should talk to our customers. And then they would say, how do we do that? And I was like, well. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, you have to install some software to talk to your users, right? Some kind of software. You can't just use, I don't know, SMS messages yeah. to start your yeah. customers. Right. Use some structured format. I mean, I guess you can email them, but you want some structured format. And it's really, forms are great for this, for getting feedback. But all the software out there was so embarrassing. Like, I was ashamed recommend it. I I felt bad. Like, I had good advice that I fundamentally knew to be very, very true, right? This is how we did Stack Overflow and this is how we do Discourse. You talk to your customers all the time. You got to be out there like rubbing elbows with your customers constantly to understand what your product is, to understand how people are using it, understand the pain points. I mean, just everything is predicated on like talking to your customers. And if you don't have good software for this, you're just hosed, right? Like, and then I was like, well, we have to fix this because this is unacceptable state of affairs. (laughs) You know, like I can't, (laughs) How do you talk to people online when there's all the software to do is just like embarrassing? You know, like right. I would be ashamed. Like no wonder Facebook is winning, no wonder Twitter is winning because all the other software to talk to people is just hideous. You know, did, did you find that when you were, when you when you were talking to people about this? Because it seems like
0: the notion of speaking to customers and talking to them and understanding their perspectives and getting their feedback, it seems pretty obvious to me in many ways. But a lot of people seem to be worried about okay, how do you take that and feed that into your organization in a way that makes sense? Was that, was
1: that an element of this? Did, did you find some people were surprisingly kind of... I had more mechanical concerns, which was like, is this software... I'm, am I ashamed of this software as right. a user? That was the baseline. And it was right. so far below that baseline. It was just like really painfully bad software that right. was just like not remotely modern. And no wonder these things were falling behind and losing. Like they they just on a mechanical level, we were terrible. You know, it's like right. asking people to move into, like, Soviet concrete block housing. <laughs> like, who would want to do that? I mean, or you right. could move into this really nice, you know, beautiful home subdivision that Facebook just set up. Um, granted, it's all owned by Facebook, but, hey, it's beautiful, right. and it works right. really well. So you've got to be able to compete with that at a sort of mechanical level to even, you know, yep. move forward. And what did you
0: think, wh- back then, when you were kind of looking into this, what, do you, what did you see as the mechanics that were problematic. I mean, obviously, a lot of these, I think we're all familiar with these forum platforms that look ugly and clunky and are difficult to use. Well, Was it just the, was it the aesthetics or was it more the structure of how people were having conversations? It was
1: kind of a lot of all the above. Now, to be fair, like we have succeeded to some degree. Like I remember talking to our um, outgoing open source evangelist who moved Mm. on to another position. But one of the things he said when he was leaving, it's like, I feel like discourse kind of won in the sense that, you know this stuff is kind of standard now like because of discourse the the standards have gotten higher the 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 water level has been raised. All, all boats are now floating higher because discourse right. has set a baseline that's that's free open source community discussion software that's actually quite good. And a lot of the stuff we consider like innovative back in twenty twelve be less sown today. So yes, yeah. So take what I'm saying with a grain of salt in terms of like we achieve some of our mission, which is fantastic. And remember, it's free open source. It's not like we're locking it behind some paywall right. to get to it. This is free for anyone who wants it. You, now, granted. The other thing that frustrates me about open source software is like you'll occasionally get people like you say it's free, but it's not really free because I have to pay for servers. And I, I just every time I'm just like face palming because I'm like, <laughs> well, of course, server time isn't free. Like I can't give you a server, you yeah. know. Anyway, so how far do you dial that back as well? Like on electricity? Well, yeah, exactly. So it, I mean, come on. You do run into that, though, because well, right. to be yeah. to be fair, like people are used to like Slack and this insidious thing where they're giving you a free service I mean right. Facebook to some degree, right? It's free, but like right. you're the product, <laughs> like yes, uh, exactly. So they they're perfectly fine with that. They're like yeah, great, fine. It's not really free unless I'm the product. So unless you're really making me the product, then your product isn't very good. <laughs> and I'm like, well, <laughs> uh, right. Uh, you know, it's like how deep do you go in uh, explaining all that? But anyway, so some of the features that we launched with that were innovative was one was reading. Like I felt like reading was fundamental. Like there's a lot of talking online. And I think this is still actually a problem. We've unlocked all this communication between people that fundamentally doesn't scale there's like a thousand people talking there's like 10,000 people talking what who is actually reading all that right like so I wanted to really fundamentally incentivize reading like people who just read like everything so a lot of the features in discourse like read time being very prominent like trust levels being based on how much primarily based on how much reading you're doing, not how much posting you're doing. Like we don't do that classic forum thing where they would have a little number next to your name of how many times you posted. Right. And I thought, well, how wrong is this? Because you're incentivizing talking like that's not what you want to incentivize. You want to be uh, listening. Like listening is a key part of the conversation and listening means reading in, in online forums. So, uh, like the getting rid of pagination was a huge part of that. I just hate pagination for so many reasons. But a big one is it just stops you from reading like you're reading and then, oh, I've click next page and then I've click next page. <laughs> Right. Well, no. Yeah. Just keep showing me more as long as I'm scrolling. Like, get me to the end. Of the, get me to the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Which is, oh, I read the entire topic. Um, now there are get other up. fundamental issues of again, if you have a hundred people talking, there's basically more than you could ever read in like a week, right? Like that's a right. different challenge. And there are features in Discourse to deal with that. We have a summarize this topic feature where if the topic has more than fifty replies, there's a button at the top. Assuming you enter at the top, that's kind of the assumption here in, in the software. Right. You click this button and. Uh, it, it compresses the conversation into sort of the best 10% as yep. judged by like replies, likes, like bookmarks, read time, all the, all the metrics that we have, we try to show you the best of, So you can get the sort of the reader's digest condensed version of the topic. Um, Do you have a sense whether, how much that is used. Cause I,
0: one of the impressions I get is that when people look at content on the internet, whether it's an article on a website, whether you're looking at a discussion in discourse, people tend to scroll down to see this, the full extent of the article or the discussion. And then they'll make a kind of a private assessment. Like how much do I want to invest in this? Which I think is one of the reasons why social media has been so successful is that it's a tiny chunk of content. You can read it and consume it and then you're off to the next thing. But obviously to your point, um, if you might, you might have a 200, 300 post discourse discussion, somebody might look at that and say, you know, 10 pages of content and think, I'm not going to get into that. But if you keep scrolling, you know, you're getting more and more interested in the conversation. So it's, it's easy to scroll down and to keep going. But do you find that there, do you have any data to suggest that people don't want to go through that? And they primarily just want the, the
1: Reader's Digest kind of like summary of, of what's there. Well, Stack Overflow is kind of the answer to this, which is like you want the answer. You come in with a question, very distinct task. I have a question. Right. I have a problem. And I want the answer to my problem. So Stack Overflow would sort discussions by... Well, it's not even discussion. It will sort the answers by votes, right? So the, votes, you have the yeah. question, and then right under it, you have the highest voted answer, which is usually all you would need. So it's really minimizing the amount of reading that you need to do yeah. because you have a very like like specific task you're attending to here, right? Yeah. Now, yeah. the idea with discussions is it's not necessarily about specific tasks. I mean, it can be. like There are elements to that in discussion. Like You can have a category, which is all Q&A. We do support that, actually. Um, right. Right. But usually it's more, I just want to hear a lot of different perspectives. Like, it's storytelling, right? Like, storytelling is is kind of the goal of discourse, and storytelling involves a bunch of people sitting around a campfire listening, right? Like, listening is the primary skill. So, you people right. want to read some, but, like, you're right, it just it ultimately doesn't scale. The other key finding, when I started discourse, I was thinking, okay, we have uh, uh, infinite scrolling, right? So, you can read as much right. as you want. And we'll have topics that could be, I don't know, 100,000 replies long, 200,000, a million replies long And then as we got Into discourse We found that like Topics that have That many replies Are kind of broken What we call Megatopics Right Like I did some analysis of, so, for example, one forum that I was working with it had been around since, I don't know, gosh, 2002. So they had tons and tons of data. And we had migrated across to discourse. And I looked at like just how many topics were there that were like, I don't know, 10,000 replies. And there actually weren't that many. It was like a very power law distribution of mm. the number of topics that were that long. And they also sort of become chat topics at some level where it's not really right. about the history. Nobody is actually going to read all that, literally. No. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. to the other extreme like you have really old forums like something awful where they have some topics that are like I mean literally hundreds of thousands of posts long where like literally no human has probably ever read all that like literally no right. one has read that. So we had some limits built into Discord sort of accidentally based on the architecture it was like look we can't really have more than 10,000 replies or it gets weird cuz we we're sending down all the ID numbers of all the posts mm. um which gets Crazy when you have a lot of them. So we're like, okay, look, just after 10,000, we're going to auto close the topic and move on. And it wasn't meant to be a feature. It was just like a kind of like a a, really a bug in our software. But the more I looked at it, I was like, this isn't actually a bug. This is actually a sane default. Like, you actually don't want these long discussions. You want to like create lots of smaller discussions that are easier to process, you know? And it's okay for a topic to be, I don't know, three, four, five hundred, six hundred, even a thousand replies, not that bad. It's just when it gets bigger than that. It's like, well, what what are we really looking at? Who is actually going to read this? And the overlap between chat software. Ultimately, sometimes people are telling you, hey, we want a chat room, you know, where there could be 20 billion replies, but we don't care because nobody's actually going to read all that. I just want to (laughs) look at the last 50. So the other way to look at this is, you know, when you come to a topic that's kind of long, You could press the Summarize This Topic button that Discourse offers, which gives you 10%. So if it was 100 replies, now it's 10 replies, much easier to process, right? Or 500, now it's 50. Uh, And theoretically, the best replies, the most responded to, the most liked, that sort of thing, all the metrics that we have tell us these are the best replies or posts in in the stream. Um, But if you're not doing that, you could just jump to the end. So we have a timeline in Discourse that shows you there's sort of a stream to a topic, like you started – at a certain date, and then it flows like a river down, like, okay. And discourse is very linear. We don't do all this threaded discussion. We really encourage uh, uh, creating lots and lots of topics, and those topics can be linked to the original topic, so you can have branches of the topic, but we're not doing, like, complicated threading. Basically, either be on topic, or with all due respect, GTFO, because yeah. like, you know, plus or minus 20%, obviously. We're not asking everybody to be strictly on topic, but being on topic is kind of a virtue in discourse, right? Like, we're if you want to start talking about something kind of different, then kick it to another topic. Um, so we do support that, but the idea is you're just reading this long continuous stream, very simple, straightforward stream, and you're flowing through in time, and there might be discontinuities in that time. Say yeah. the discussion went dark for, I don't know, a couple months, and then picked up again when something happened, right? So right. we don't yet indicate those time discontinuities on the timeline, but I want to because mm. I think those are big events in the in the time the, sort of the timeline of the topic. Um right. and it's certainly rational if, if you want to say, hey, just give me what's currently going on, go to the bottom of the topic, read the last 10 replies, the last 10 things people said in this topic is, you know, that's a reasonable thing to do, right? You missed right. some of the earlier discussion, but You know, that's that does give you a flavor of what's currently happening in the discussion, for better words. I mean,
0: yeah, I mean, it seems like there's this there's always going to be this tension right between um, how are the people who are having the conversations, how do they want to organize the information? Right. So to your your example of these unbelievably long topics with tons of posts in there, um, one of the areas where I've seen that, for example, is when people are asking people to introduce themselves to a new forum. Right, so this actually isn 't really a continuous discussion it 's more a dumping ground for people to say hello yep. um, and one of the things I think is interesting here is that with Stack Overflow, to your point earlier on jeff like there is there is the question, and then there is the answer, and the it 's a very transactional relationship, right You really kind of want to go in there and and find help for the thing that you 're trying to solve, and the value floats up to the top, and obviously that doesn 't really work in linear conversations because. Part of the value in that discussion, may be the thirtieth post down or the sixtieth post down. Now, with Slack, they've struggled with this a little bit, and they've tried to solve this with threading. So, for people who are unfamiliar with this, um, who are listening to this, if you if you are having a conversation in Slack, uh, you may have three or four conversations happening in the same linear chat window, and the idea is that it will thread off. The conversation will branch off into different areas, and those conversations will occur there. And to me, it feels really clunky and weird, and it doesn't really work very well. And I know you've tried to stay away from threading within discourse. To what degree do you feel like the platform can play a role in organizing these these kinds of discussions? Or to what extent is it just in the hands of the users doing it? So for example, in the earlier days of open source, we came up with ideas such as avoiding top posting, that in linear mailing list discussions, you have to reply in line. Otherwise, it breaks the whole flow because of how email works. What do you think is that balance in line between the platform and just expecting your users to be able to organize this information effectively?
1: Well, I remember someone on Twitter said that if you want to hide some secret, just put it in Slack threads because no one will ever, ever find it. <laughs> That's like the ultimate hiding that's a any- particularly cold description of Slack threading. Well, it's, it's so. a difficult, in their defense, it's a really difficult problem. Like, one of the reasons right. we moved away from threading a discourse is one, I don't like it. I don't think it makes sense. And I think no. discussions that are linear and flat are simpler, easier to process, and just make more sense. And we were sort mm. of angling for simplicity with this course. There's a lot of complication in classical form software. My one of right. my observations of classical form software was like I look I looked at the page, like the any average page in a discussion, and there were like literally fifty things that I never touch like in literally i don't know five six years on a particular platform having lots and lots of discussion i had never clicked on any of those things like even once right so it was about (laughs) removing stuff from the page that wasn't being used so we just focus on what people are saying like again i want people to read stuff to the extent that they can and they have time um so to do that you get rid of distractions right You, you you add infinite scrolling so it's just you just keep scrolling and you know it just makes it easy to to fall into the pit of success which is reading and listening um Uh, So I don't know that Threads really accomplished that goal. Now, uh, there's some complementary questions, which are, how do you encourage people to start sort of related discussions? Because I think it's Hmm. perfectly kosher – to start writing a reply and then realize, oh, I'm going off on this tangent, right? Or after the fact, like, oh gosh, we went off on this tangent for 20 posts. Um, so there's tools in Discord to make it really easy to split discussions. So yes. you go in, yeah. you enter selection mode and you select, you can select with replies, you can select, because there is some very, like, rudimentary threading in Discord, like the linking of replies to to upstream and downstream things in the, in the stream. So it does track that and you can sort of conditionally expand, oh, I just want to see the replies, like, Right now, like I don't want to scroll down another hundred posts. I want to see all the replies to this right now by clicking a button. You can get basically a sneak preview. It's kind of like watching the trailer for the movie before you watch the movie, <laughs> it gives you sort of a sneak preview. It's like, I know people are going to reply to this, right? In fact, I can see that it has six people replied to this particular post. Show them to me right now. You know, that's a form of threading, but it's like a hybrid model. It's very lightweight uh, threading. It's not strict. It's not enforced in the stream. It's kind of a right. duplication almost. Once you expand it, you've essentially duplicated those replies in the stream temporarily so you can get a sneak preview of what the replies are going to look like to that post. Right. So there's ways to sort of hybridize. That's what we've done. This what we're trying to get at. Is we've hybridized a little bit. And there's some concessions to this sort of thing. But ultimately, it comes down to like when writing a reply, another again tooling mechanical thing we did if you press the reply button, there's a little arrow that indicates, okay, what type of reply you're writing? Are you replying to a person, a particular post? Are you replying to the topic itself, just as a general, like I'm replying to the topic. I'm not replying to any particular person. I'm replying to the theme of the topic, right? Right, um, right. And there's a third type, which is I'm replying as a new topic. Okay. So you mm. can, it's kind of an advanced mode, but once you sort of understand the tooling, you can say, oh, this reply is actually a new topic. And I've done it many, many times it's, in discourse. It's, it's fantastic. Like, you wanna, you know, it's kind of like Doritos, that old Doritos commercial with Day Leno. It's like eat all you want, we'll make more. Like there, there should be lots and right. lots of discussions. You know, there's no right. limit on like have tons, of, have hundreds, thousands of discussions. That part of of any like forum system scales really, really well. That's like saying, oh no, I don't want to send another email. I right, might actually right. create another email. It's like, well, that's what you're supposed to do. You want lots and lots of emails, right? Like different emails. You don't want one giant email with 500 people replying, do you? Right. So how do you how do you approach
0: presenting these features to people because, I mean, obviously email has got a relatively simple set of interactions that dictate how people use it. And then people will use it. You know, So obviously there is replying, there is forwarding, uh, there is replying all, but then people will use it in different ways. And people will, for example, um, branch off those kinds of conversations and email has been around for so long that a lot of those norms have kind of solidified I guess one of the challenges with something such as discourse, I saw this actually with a client that I worked with um, in Asia, where this was very much of a business audience. So any level of um, any level of technical distraction, the company was kind of resistant to. So we, we actually ended up hiding some elements of the discourse UI that weren't particularly used. But how do you get that balance between you want to provide these tools to people, but you want them to be discoverable so it's just part and parcel of how they tend to work. Because I think that's one of the criticisms of the older forum platforms is they became so cluttered and so filled with junk that they actually distracted away from the conversation, right?
1: Well, it's interesting that you know minimalism and simplicity was always a goal of discourse. I think at launch, we didn't actually do a great – we did an okay job at launch. We've actually been pulling stuff away from the interface. Oh, really? Like I can point to – yeah, like we used to display – uh, like like counts in the topic list and <laughs> oh yeah, yeah yeah there's a lot of stuff we've actually been pulling away over time uh, but it's also fine to and actually I remember on meta one of the great meta one of my favorite meta discourse topics was somebody came in this was a couple years ago and said hey like I like discourse um, but. I've hidden a bunch of stuff because I think it could be simplified further. And it was such a great topic because it really made us think, well, do we really need this stuff? Like and some of that stuff we ended up hiding like long term in the product. Like that was a great feedback topic. It was exactly the type of customer feedback I wanted. Right, um, right. And it was a great discussion and like oh, gosh, I got so much out of that. And you know, it's a process. Like simplicity is really hard because there's a lot of pressure. Mm to add just a bunch of stuff to your product, particularly once you have like enterprise paying customers, I can point to, I mean, look at iTunes, for example, that's the classic example of a product that killed itself by being just right. There's so many things. It just accreted yeah. all these features and it became this monstrous like thing that yeah. nobody yeah. wanted to touch anymore because it was so weird. So there's a lot of pressure to sort of add, 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 but it's hard to do that in a way that's, like saying like one of my favorite ways to do it. And the feature that I described, anybody who's ever used this course can actually try this when so press the reply button, you'll get the composer, the standard discourse composer pops up at the bottom, which, you know, isn't too complicated. It's basically one text box, some text of the the, the topic you're applying to. But that little arrow at the upper left, you can actually click on that. It doesn't look like a button necessarily, so it's a little bit of a power user feature. But if you click that little reply arrow in the composer at the upper left, that's when you get the advanced functionality of what type of reply am I making, right? Like, not everybody needs to see that. So it's kind of, you know, a Ah, little bit. Hidden. Uh, and that's kind of intentional. And that's a way of like adding functionality that's not like in your face. Like you expect users to have different levels of skill. And for the more power users, you have like keyboard shortcuts, you have like things you can click on that that expose different functionality if you know the click there. Um, these sorts of things. So I do think there's It's a challenge, you know, to to, to not essentially blow up your own product with complexity. It happens all the time. I mean, I can point to like dozens of companies where this has essentially happened and crept in over time. It takes a lot of discipline. It's very easy to make things complicated. That's trivial. Keeping things simple, that's the hard part, right? Right. And one one thing I'd love to get
0: your thoughts on is, certainly when I'm working with companies around how they are deploying um, communities and how they're building communities you know, setting the infrastructure up logically and getting it, um, in place is certainly one piece, but for, for certain types of community and for certain companies, the concept of like online discussion like this is in many ways, entirely unintuitive, right? They, they're doing it in email is pretty intuitive. Um, but there is, uh, elements of confusion around what is the right way in which I should be doing this? Like, there's obviously policy pieces like from a company's perspective, how much should I share? Is it okay for me to to, to, to share uh, particular kinds of things that we're working on? Or uh, I don't want to get myself in trouble or what should I be doing in discourse and what should I be doing in GitHub or in other platforms? To what degree are you focusing on educating the user? Because, you know, I think people who know how to operate in an online setting, in online discussions, will probably be able to just land on discourse and it just works really well for them and it's by far better than any other platform that i've ever used but what about the people who have no idea what to do are you trying to help educate them as part of discourse
1: is that something that you're focusing on well ironically as much as i have i'm super ambivalent about facebook i do feel like facebook has done one sort of service and that it's brought a lot of people online with sort of a baseline set of Yeah. Like functionality. Like, can you post on Facebook? Do you understand how, like what Facebook even is? Like how to communicate with other people through Facebook. So Facebook, as much as I kind of dislike it at some level, has kind of helped educate the world about like, okay, you're going to be talking with other people online. That's just going to be normal. Right. Right. (laughs) That's no longer weird. Right. Like an email also to some extent. Right. To the, you know, although. You know, supposedly kids don't use email, right? They just text message each other constantly. Right. So there's right. there's a couple interfaces that are kind of educating the world. One is Facebook. The other is, I think, text messaging to some degree. Like we do here, particularly in like some of the Asian markets, we're like, oh, everything needs to be exactly like text messaging, which is challenging for us because we're not a chat solution. Uh, right. You know, we right. have chat like elements, but that's a, that's a very, very different set of DNA to go into a product. Um, but the idea of Facebook and email, I would say are, 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 are educating the world. And if you're familiar with email, if you're familiar with Facebook, then you can probably operate discourse, you know, like, I don't worry about that as much. We do hear some complaints of like, oh, discourse is, you know, complicated. And I think what they're reacting to is the fact that you, you start with a topic list. It's kind of like email in that sense. You have a list of emails, right? Um, right. Whereas a text messaging UI is very blank you know it's like okay, here's five people you can talk to <laughs> and yes, then here's yeah. a, here's a place where you type. So that's the ultimate minimalism is, is text messaging. So you've got a couple right. baseline of, of, of sort of things that are becoming very very common in the world for better or worse. That that you can kind of operate from and discourse to its credit, like we're five, well, seven years in now. How many years? It's been so many years now. Right. Uh, we've gotten far enough along that discourse itself is kind of becoming a, a little bit of a standard, which is great. That was always yeah. the goal, right? Like, I that's a good thing because again, it's free. It's you can run it. It's it's available to you in a way that you know, it like email used to be available to people, right? Right. Um, you can just set it up and, and run. So so that's good as well. So we we made really really good progress on this and. Um, I think it's one of those things where you wait for the world to catch up where the world needs to be. It's not so much about, it's our job to teach everybody. It's like, it's, everybody needs to catch up to where we are, um, uh, digitally. When I think computers make that kind of inevitable, smartphones make that kind of inevitable. When everybody has, carries a smartphone, it's a very different world than, you know, in 2010 where people only really saw a computer at their desk, you know? Right. So. Because it strikes me that there's a lot of potential
0: here, like a couple of things that really stand out for me in discourse is, for example when you're when you're a new user and you're you're typing in some of your first either posts or replies, a little box will pop up and say, you know is what you're typing in similar to one of these other topics um, or if you type something in, if you type a reply in that's less than a certain number of characters it'll it'll essentially stop you from 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 posting that because a lot of those meaningless kind of, um, you know, four character responses don't add a lot to the discussion or another example. If you're running a discourse forum is if somebody po- posts for the first time, it'll pop up a little, a little label that will say, this is the first time blah, blah, blah is posted. Welcome them to the community. I love those little nudges because I think they, a lot of people who, unless they're, they've got somebody who knows how to put in place some things such as discourse probably wouldn't think about doing those kinds of things. Um, how how far do you feel like you can take that because i know you're a, you're a big fan of behavioral like economics and these kinds of these trends that we see in our in our behavioral patterns do you, do you have a sense of how far you can take that in something such as discourse particularly with such a diverse range of users well
1: i i think it's great that you brought that up because yeah i all the research I've done and all my experience so far indicates that the best kind of sort of behavioral stuff you can do is the just in time nudges. Like right. at the exact time that the user is trying to do X, that's when you can intervene. Um, exactly, because yeah. that's the time when you have the highest chance of success, right? Like, right. So all the advice about replying happens when you start typing your first reply. There's not yeah. like some long EULA you have to click through because nobody's right. going to read all that. It's the minute you start typing, that's when you want those gentle and, – and like a minimal amount of text, like not <laughs> – yeah. The, the, the minimum you think people will actually read, for example, the, the, the new, the new post reply go- advice is like three bullet points, like one sentence right. each of like yeah. here. I love that. And that only yeah. happens for your first two replies, right? Like we're not going to educate you constantly. Um, so there, there is an art to that, and there's so many places where we can do that. For example, another one that we do that isn't quite as visible, but I think is very helpful, is once you've replied a few times, if you haven't set an avatar, we'll say, hey, cool, you're starting to engage with the community. How about, you know, so we can recognize you and, and, and see you, like, can you consider setting an avatar so that we can get to know you better, right? Like, you've started to have some serious conversations with the community. Um, right. Rather than nagging people at, at setup time, like, oh, you got to fill out your profile, you got to put an avatar, that's a big commitment right like nobody knows if they want to do that but five replies in they're pretty committed at that point they've written like five or six replies uh to, right to your discussion area yeah. so so there's a lot of potential with with the just-in-time nudges and huge fan of that stuff yeah and it's and it seems like
0: the right collection of those nudges and people going back to a forum and getting a lot of value out of it that will build that kind of habit where Uh, When I think of the communities that I participate in, the reason why I go back is because there's a reason for me to go back. Uh, I'm getting interesting information. I'm having interesting conversations. I remember reading a statistic um, that said that with Stack Overflow, around this is back in 2013, that around 75% of users would only ask one question. um, And around 8% of users would answer more than five questions. And this is pretty common with communities that... um, I I refer to it as like the the, the 100 rule that, you know, with every 100 people, 10 of those people will generate most of the material that the rest of them will read. And one of those people will be particularly active. Do you have a sense, Jeff, of how you get people to be more active in communities? Like, is there something, anything you've seen from your body of work that gets that ratio higher?
1: Well, I think it all starts with a core of like, say, say in the example where you're using discourse as a, as a tool to talk both among your internal team and among your customers. Like, I think your, your employees have to make it a part of their daily routine. Like it has to be something they've internalized as like a place they go to every day. In fact, I was just talking to uh, a friend of mine, his son has a new startup that's about, um, A new way of handling like carbon credits, a a really cool uh, company, and a key part of his strategy was the community. And I told him, I was like, "You're right. Community is actually really critical to what you guys are doing in this particular case. That's not not always the case, you know. Mm Community is kind of like an intangible. It's hard to like identify like where the value is, like how community makes you money or advances your company. Um, But in this case, it was really clear. And I said, but even then, you 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 and your team need to be every day thirty minutes." in in the community area discussing amongst yourselves if nobody else. Like, even if nobody else shows up, you have to use it because that's what this is, right? Like, it's not some special area I go to that other people do the work. (laughs) It's where you go to do your work, right? Like, otherwise (laughs) – What, what, what's even happening here? Like you have to treat it as a part of your daily routine of like stuff. Oh, we're currently working on X and particularly for his company, which is about carbon credits, like the strategies they're using, they're going to be a public benefit corporation. There's a lot of really interesting stuff that's happening and they need to talk about it amongst themselves in a way that creates public artifacts. Right. So until you've internalized that lesson, You know, you can't just set up a forum and say, oh, here, everybody else should go to this forum, right? Like, well, you need to go there. (laughs) You need to use it. You need to create (laughs) topics. You need to get value out of it. Like, make it be the thing that you want it to be. Like, do your work in it. Ultimately, it's a tool for work. It's a tool for getting things done. It's not just a place I go to hang out. It's, It's like, no, this is where work actually happens, because work is how people, like, Negotiate and talk about what. Why are we doing this? What are we doing? You know, should we even be doing this? How do we do this? All that, all that stuff needs to happen on your public forum to the extent that you can let it happen, right? Yeah, and and that's hard. I mean, uh, is it hard though? I mean, if you think, okay, stop doing stuff in email. Every time you send an email, think: should this really have been an email? (laughs) Could I actually do this as a discussion topic? Could this actually be a public discussion, right? It's shifting what you're normally doing into more public modes of of operation. And it doesn't actually have to be public, it could be just on your team or whatever. But like you're getting it out of an email silo, that's job number one. Uh, Or getting it out of a chat silo, it's okay to have chat, like chat isn't incompatible. The example of chat, like if you've seen that Pixar movie Inside Out, the way I like to think of it is you have your short-term memory and you have your long-term memory. These are both good for very, very different things. And short-term memory, you just forget it all mostly at the end of every day because a form of insanity is remembering every single thing that happened every day, right? (laughs) Like that's insanity. You want to forget a lot of that. But for the stuff you don't want to forget, you take it from the chat transcript and you move it over to the discussion side where you create a more public artifact and have a more structured mm. discussion. For very freeform b- brainstorming, I think chat is fine. And also just like pinning down what the heck it is that you're even talking about. But once you've done a little bit of initial sort of ideation, you take it over to the, the discourse side of whatever tool you want to use. And that's your more long-term memory that you're now tracking right. this in a very structured format that's easy to find. I mean, chat's weakness, really it's, really it's Achilles' heel, it's kryptonite, is it's impossible to search chat. Like people yeah, say they do it yeah. like Miguel De Casa, who I've fallen to is like oh yeah I've searched IRC chat logs from 10 years ago. But like I cannot figure it out because chat is this interleaved crazily interleaved discussion with like n people that's all yeah. over the map. Like whereas yeah. compare with the discussion where it's like you have a topic it has a title. <laughs> It's mostly right. on topic. You can find it by date. You can find it by title. You can find it by oh my god, the category that it's in, the tags on it. Oh, it's so easy to find stuff, right? I mean, compared to chat or even yeah. the rest of the wider world. So no, I,
0: I I agree with you. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that 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 certainly discourse is a way more organized way of of having these kinds of conversations. Part of the reason why I think it's difficult for people to get into that mode of 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 going into a platform such as Discourse is A, any kind of switching platforms in a company, I think people find pretty difficult. Like people are just used to wake up in the morning, check your email. And one of the things I think is the challenge here is if you're bringing a new platform in and the, the real value of the platform is going in there every day and, 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 and participating. And to your point, like even if there's not a lot of discussion there, playing a role in facilitating discussion and just being there. But the other element that I see consistently is, is where you have, for example, the same discourse rollout that is where there's internal discussion, let's say in a private category and public discussion. And a lot of people seem to be weirded out by, uh, what is okay to be public? Like with an internal Slack channel, I think there's an element of, you can kind of see other people doing that and it's completely internal. And so my theory has been, I read somewhere that it takes 66 days to build a habit, that if you can get your team into the habit of going to somewhere like Discourse for 66 days, eventually it will feel less weird and, and, and less uncomfortable. But its I think it is hard to get
1: people to do that. Well, you can um, also have a two-tiered approach. Like even in Discourse, we we do have an internal discourse. Um, right. Where we discuss, like, I don't know, salary, like biz, like hardcore business stuff that really wouldn't be relevant yeah. to the rest of the world, or like just procedural, like what are we actually internally working on that matters um, right. So we all actually have that distinction of like, are we talking about this on the public discourse, the private discourse? So I still think right. there's, there's a distinction that goes on there. I'm not, necessarily, it would be a big ask to go into a company and say, look, now you're doing everything in public. <laughs> I oh, agree. Yeah, That's yeah. a huge challenge. I think actually some companies can do that. And the companies that can do it do really, really well to the extent that you can educate companies to like do a lot of their work in public. They will be superior companies. Like one example yeah. is, um, the company blizzard, which is a video game company, but they've done such a great job of like having this sort of public presence and having these community forums. Yeah. Um, and they've internalized all this. All the stuff we would normally teach people, they already know, which is great. Like, yeah. they get it. Um, but that's a huge ask, to come into a company yeah. and say, oh, now you're doing everything in public. You don't have to. I mean, there could be, like, an internal discourse that you set up or we host. Or it doesn't actually matter. Again, it's open-source yeah. software. You can set it up any way you want. And then you don't have that particular tension. Um, yeah. So it's, you don't it it seems like we kind of, it that way. It
0: seems like we kind of need to get to that point, right, where the the – habitual platforms that we're tending to use in many cases are not they aren't serving that broader level of of, of discussion and collaboration like in yeah, sure e- email part of the reason why email works is because basically everybody's using email um but certainly i think getting people into those habits is, is going to be important one thing one thing i want to talk to you a little bit because i know we're running out of time um that i think is really interesting about discourse and i've loved this feature ever since you put it in there is trust models um And for those people who are unfamiliar with this, the basic gist is that um, when you start participating in discourse, and Jeff mentioned this earlier on, you know, a balance of reading, writing, liking things, filling in your profile, you go up these trust levels. And it provides a really convenient way of essentially being able to get a sense of active participation in a particular community. So if you've got 10,000 people in your community, you can see them be, be, be broken down into these different trust levels. Forums historically have done a terrible job at this. Your point earlier on, Jeff, about you know if you've posted 500 things, then you enter into this particular level. It can be games so easily. What kind of led your thinking behind putting that kind of model in place for the trust for the trust levels? Because it's from everything I've seen so far, it seems to be basically one of the better approaches.
1: Well, it, I think it starts at level zero. So there's there's a couple different trust levels. Um, Hmm. only three of them you can reach sort of automatically. There's a fourth trust level. You can only get through sort of manual promotion, uh, which is extreme level of trust, which you can edit literally any, well, all any post in the system. Um, and you can do splitting. You're almost a mini moderator at that point. So, but for the regular trust levels, I, I think the first thing that came to mind was first spam prevention, right? Like when somebody shows up at your house on the doorstep, you don't. Trust this person Like I've never seen This person before I mean they might be A perfectly nice person But I've just never seen This person before They just showed up At my house right Knocked on Mm. the door Like there's a certain Amount of time (laughs) Of like getting to know You're gonna stay On the front porch until i figure out what it is yeah, until
0: i figured out what who the hell you, you are want,
1: right like <laughs> right. and who you are and whether i even like you or whatever so there's this right. analog in discourse which is trust level 0 it's you're brand new we don't really trust you that much so we kind of sandbox what you can do not because we don't like you but because like that's just the way it has to be ultimately i can't let you into the house until you spent some time on the porch sort of getting to know us it doesn't take long to get out of trust level 0 it's actually right. the bar is pretty low cuz as you pointed out most random people that come by will just leave like they're going to come to your site like they're not going to get what they want or not like what they see there and they're just going to leave so it's surprising how few people will get out of this trust level zero right and they have to create an account too on top of that right plenty of anonymous people could come by and and read all day but they can't ever post right they're not accounts in your system so just to create an account is a big bar and then on top of that did you spend any time reading is is a huge bar, surprisingly. Very few people make it out of that. And then there's sort mm. of trust level one, which is like slightly more reading. Right. And then trust level two, which would be, I would say you measure it. Uh, let's talk about time scales. So trust level two, zero essentially would be at, at, like not even an hour, like 15 minutes. Did you spend even 15 minutes just reading anything here? I mean, just the barest minimum, like five topics, 10 minutes of reading, some very nominal number of of participatory elements, right? And all reading for the most part. I'm not asking you to create any posts to get out of that sandbox. Then right. trust level one would be like hours. Trust level two would be a week. Uh, mm. And then trust level three would be month, right? right. Those are right. basically the way I, that's the way I think of these trust levels. Participation, over that amount of time. And as you get higher in the levels, we do ask for more types of participation. Like you have to actually use the like button at some level to get to trust level three. Right. You have to actually write at least one reply. You have to like other people's posts. Like, you know, you, you slightly move up the bar from did you read to like, did you read and this and this and this. Um, but none of those are really onerous. And we have a blog post that outlines it. Lines that if people are interested, just Google uh, for discourse trust levels. And there's a blog post that explains all the thinking. And yeah. the cool thing about it is as you get higher in trust level, it's not just we remove restrictions. We actually give you power, right? Like at trust level mm. two, um, you start to be able to edit topic titles, not just your topics, but everybody's topic. Because the thinking right. is, one of the things that drove me crazy about discussions, and, and every day I struggle with this because it happens literally every day, people are terrible at writing titles for discussions, like yes. painfully bad at it. Like they're, like they're I, I participate regularly on this Yo-Yo forum, and just the other day, somebody was like, look at this thing. That was the title of their topic. Look at this thing. I'm like, oh, my God. Right? This Thanks, is like a pal. dagger directly in my heart. I've started calling myself on this forum. I'm like, look, I'm kind of an internet dad. Like, I, I want things to be right. I want things to be organized. I'm kind of just an internet dad. You're just going to have to deal with it, right? Like, I'm right. going to want you to do topics that-, that have titles that actually make sense because I'm right. an internet dad. That's just how it is. That's how I can explain <laughs> things to this particular audience, right? Um and they're like, Okay, dad, whatever. I know. You want us to, you know, put our shoes on, take out the trash, whatever, dad. Uh right. So yeah, yeah, at trust level two you can edit topic titles and you can edit category. Like people put stuff in the wrong category that happens a fair bit. Um, right. But yeah, so we empower you to, to help, you know, it's not just, right. we remove restrictions. We give you real power and it makes site owners nervous. And I constantly have to explain to owners, look, you're nervous because this is actually a meaningful power. That's why it's good. Right. Because if yeah. it didn't matter, you wouldn't care. <laughs> right. So like, it's also, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's also very scoped as well, right? So, like, I would be surprised if people who get into those higher trust levels who get those additional powers would abuse them to any meaningful well, degree. They're the, probably on the yo forum, I had
1: the classic old-school moderators. They mean well. They're not bad people. Totally hassle me about this. Like, oh, I don't believe in this. This guy edited this topic title and he shouldn't be. I was like, okay, fine. Look, I'm going to sit down. There's actually a built-in query in Discourse now that shows you edits of, of other people's posts so you mm-hmm. can actually sort of audit this. Because I agree, you should audit stuff like that. right? Who knows what's actually happening? And I went through and literally listed it. Only It, it only happened like 10 times. And every time, the level two person who edited made the title better every single time. It was a good example of like, this is a person that we trusted that actually did something good. Like if you look at what they did, this is a better topic for them having improved the title. And I had to lay this data at the door. It's like, look, look at the data. You're telling me that you're uncomfortable with the idea that people do this, but I'm telling you, if you look at the data, people are doing the right thing here because we trust them. This system makes sense. These people are here every day. They have a vested interest in this place not sucking, right? (laughs) Right. I mean, that's the way it works. You're here Every day, you want this place to be good because if you come there every day and it sucks, what does that say about you? You go to right. a place that sucks every day. That means you suck, right? <laughs>
0: That's one of the things I. One of the things I found helpful about this as well is just consistently when uh, people are actively participating in a community and they're they're going above and beyond. I think being able to very publicly celebrate those people. And the value that they're bringing and maybe send them a little something as a reward as well. The trust levels is a nice, I think, reasonable way in which you can model that. Now, it's not perfect to to model this, but in almost every single situation where I've worked with a company and I've said, when people get into trust level three, this is something you should celebrate. Like these people shouldn't, in my mind, be just you know, very capable people who sit in the shadows, you should be saying like, these people have gone above and beyond. They are the cornerstone of of what we're doing in our community. And when we celebrate those folks, they love it. And I think it gives other people an inspiration for them to continue going through that. But then that raises the challenge. Uh, You don't want people just going and gaming the system, right? But it seems like you've designed the trust levels in such a way where, well, essentially the requirements for it are just the basics of, reasonable human engagement, right?
1: Yes. And one thing I really resisted and they actually implemented this in stack Overflow later was I didn't show you progress bars of like, okay, in order to reach the trust level three, you need to do this, 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 and here's your progress bars to each of those goals. Right. Right. You could do that. But to me that was a bridge too far because that was making it an explicit goal. That was actually really encouraging people to, to do it like too much. Like there's a fine line, like you want to encourage people, but not like, yeah, it, it's tricky, right? So you'll notice in discourse, we don't do that either. And we do have some complaints, you'll find topics on it, but like, I want to reach trust level three, but I haven't, and I don't know why. And I want to see like how many days, you know, how many, because a certain amount of days you have to visit out of the total, right. certain amount of posts you have to make, and they want these detailed stats. You know, and we've resisted right. that so far. We do actually I, show yeah. it to administrators. If you go yeah. into a user's account and you see, click, you'll see the, the 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 data of like how far they've come towards it. Exa- right. So you can you can uh- reply to people and give them this information if they ask for it. But we're not showing this. Like, here's your progress bar. Fill your progress bar to make it to trust level three. Because I just feel like at that point eh, the incentives get weird. So no,
0: I agree with you. And actually, like when I work with companies, I will actively say like, don't even mention the word trust levels. Because I actually, we don't want them to look this up on the internet, in my mind. What we want them to do is to come to the community, participate actively, and then we can spot them through the trust levels that they're, you know, doing meaningful work. And then you can start celebrating them. So, um, so, um, I know again, we're like, we're nearly out of time, but wh- what's next? I mean, you've, 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 you and the a great community has built discourse. There's no doubt in my mind that it's the, the best platform for building on online communities out there. It's. I'm seeing it cropping up more and more places. Um, what 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 is next for it? For it, I mean, where do you want to go? Like, what is discourse not doing that you want it to do in the future?
1: Well, I think a couple, a couple of things. One is there's a lot of core features we're still getting to that are really interesting. Like, I'll give you some specific examples. Mm. Uh, one thing we do that's kind of cool is we one thing we got pressured to do was like online presence. Like, is this person online or not? And I really oh, yeah. resisted yep. that because that's it's really a chat feature, first of all. And second, a feature of discourse is I don't need to care when you're online. Like, I just make right. a reply. You reply when you're available. You could be in a different time zone. You could be on vacation. It doesn't actually matter. What matters is that when you get to it, you get to it, right? Eventually, it gets reply whether it's today, in a few hours. It doesn't actually matter. So the incentives yep. get weird. But one thing I agreed with was, hey, maybe we could show when people are actively replying to the topic, you know? right. And we do that and that is so it's surprising how powerful that is because you're hanging mm-hmm. out at the bottom of the topic and you see that two people are replying you're like oh my god yeah
0: it's really graphing. It's like a cliffhanger.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, I yeah. got to see what this person is going to say. And that, to me, is a good incentive because, A, you're at the bottom of the topic where we want you to be. You read the whole topic. You've reached the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. So we're giving you the right kind of incentive, like, you have read all the way to the bottom. Congratulations. Now you get to see when people are replying. Plus, it lets you know, OK, there's a little bit more of the story this person's going to post. So you kind of hang around and continue the conversation. So the incentives are good, and they're aligned, and it's very discoursey. So I actually really like that feature. That's relatively new. Right. Uh, another thing we implemented uh, one or two versions ago is every month we pick we realize like okay the lifeblood of every community is new users right yep. so how do you encourage the new users well we have the trust system we have all this stuff we have a little notice we send out when you make it even to trust level one we give you a little pm now and, and add a boy of like good work you made it to trust level one you actually made it out of the sandbox which most people don't most people don't create an account most people don't read anything so congratulations right. you're already like in the top 90% of people that come to the site, maybe more, right? Uh, But beyond that, I was like, but there's some really good new users that come in and just, like, create tons of posts and just start kicking butt immediately. Like, they just, they make your community. They come in, they're new, and they're awesome. These are your star users. So we have, like, a Rookie of the Month award that automatically happens to only two users. So really, every month, it goes through and says, who are the best new users, had the most participation, did the most interesting things. And we give them a special award, which is a badge. Like, look, you're one of the new users of the month. This only happens to two people per month. Congratulations. You made this site great. Thanks for coming. Because new users are so critical to survival for a site. We're like, the the system needs to be automated. Because I found that I was doing this by hand in some communities. I would go through the user list and say, who's really kicking butt as a new user? Exactly. Who came in and just, just, like, you know, made it awesome in here. Uh, And we wanted to automate that. So every discourse can benefit because we want every community to survive. The measure of success for discourse is not how many installs of discourse are there. I don't care about that. What I care is how many successful, how many sustainable communities are out there on discourse that survive, that people still go to, that still work. Like people want to go there regularly. That's the measure of success, not how many installs, you know, it's really how many people have communities that function that they're proud of. And that seems, I mean, that's awesome because in my mind, there's not just,
0: I mean, obviously discourse users are depending on the discourse team to build, to continue to build and maintain a a great platform. But there's so much insight in your community and in the team around what are the right things to do outside of just building the platform. A good example is that, you know, awarding a couple of, like a badge to those two users will mean the world to those two users. And, um, are you planning on adding more of those kind of like, I guess you could say community strategy pieces into that? Because there's a lot of companies and organizations out there who probably install discourse and they would never even think about doing that because they don't know that
1: that's something that they should do. Well, right. It has to be, one of the key things is like, okay, we wrote blog posts, like how do you launch a discourse? Well, first of all, you have to have content, you have to have regular participation by the key stakeholders, which is you and your team. Um, To the extent that we can say these things, it's great, but the tool needs to sort of not necessarily do it for you, but like really nudge you towards doing towards through that takes years. Like I I think we'll still be, we're what, six, seven years into this now. Um, I think we'll still be into that like 10 years out. Like we're still actually figuring out the things that make sense and how to really improve the core functionality. So there's still a lot of road left on the mission, you know, like as far as we've come, there's still a long way to go. And that's yeah. what I find most exciting about discourse, to be honest, is we also did like a setup wizard that's new as of like, I don't know, two years ago, where right. after you set it up, it walks you through. OK, here's what you need to do. Do you want to set your theme? What does your front page look like? The, the styling options, because you got to make a community that looks like you. It can't just be one of the criticisms of discourse that I agree with is they all kind of look the same which was a goal early on. But as you get more mature, it's like, well, we don't want them all to look identical. We want this one to right. look like your thing, wearing your cool black shirt or whatever it is right. that makes your community special. Right. Yeah. yeah so we're yeah. getting deeper into that. And the wizard kind of walks you through that. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's still on the, a lot of good stuff to come. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Well, thank you, sir. I really appreciate you coming on, uh, really keep up the great work. I think you're, you're not just an inspiration to me, but I think to so many of the people who are building communities out there, you know, in the public and and in companies as well. So thank you very much. Cheers, Jeff.